0: Thank you. Okay, 26 seconds. Oh, that hurts. That's so painful. Silence. Okay, right, first service only got 13 seconds. Somebody in the front row is like, "We're ready." <laughs> and I'm like, "Thank you." I was trying to hit 30 seconds, and it's difficult. Um, it is uh, for me. Someone who is, I'm um, to be honest, I, I really have just a few fears in my life. Uh, one of them, snakes with knives. Think about it. Ultimate weapon, right? In um, silence. Silence is something that I run from. It's something that I look at, and, and it, 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 I'm just. It makes me very uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like it. Uh, my wife and I have a fan, a box fan, in our bedroom, and it's on 365 days a year, and she does not appreciate that. But I enjoy I. Like I would say need, she would use a different word, I need sound. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of silence. Now, I don't know if that says anything about my mental health, but there it is, okay? I've, I've seen the last 20, 30 years of my life, I run away from silence. I run to the crazy. Uh, right now in the muffler house, we have lots of kids and lots of noise, and I love it, it makes me feel comfortable. But silence is difficult, to be honest, it's a fear. Now, on the other side of that, I've run toward the calamity. I've run toward the loud, busy, and the crazy. Um, There are things in our lives that uh, clamor, uh, that are clamoring for our attention or or trying to get our uh, attention. These loud, crazy noises. As a matter of fact, the definition of clamoring is a loud and confused noise. Anybody have that in their life? I mean, just loud, just crazy, confusing things in their life that you just cannot pay attention to. Um, Now, on me are a large number of electronic devices. I have a pad right now that I, I like to preach from because if I don't have notes, you'll be here a very, very long time, right? But it also reminds me to read my Bible, It reminds me uh, to pray with my wife. I have, a, I have a watch on right now that wakes me up, reminds me uh, to take my medication because turning 40s, man, is going downhill quick. Anyway, and um, I've got a phone that reminds me when uh, my favorite YouTube Videos are, are popping up, okay? I have a lot of things, electronic, just even on my body, not, uh, not in my car, not at my workplace, not in my family. I just have a lot of things trying to get my attention. Now, if you, you can relate with me that our lives are full of loud and confusing noises. I'm making the assumption if my life is hectic and nuts, I'm just assuming you too are in that situation. Now, some of these things are clamoring for our attention are, are very good things, okay? Um, electronics are amoral. It is neither right nor wrong. these are good nor bad. It's what we do with it, right? It's like a car. We can take someone to the hospital to help them, or we can drive 90 miles an hour on 37 with all the the construction and bad things happen. You know what I mean? We make the decision there. Now, family, work, ministry, serving, friends, baseball, uh, basically all these things. I say put baseball in there because I'm a huge baseball fan. And right now, uh, the loud noise in the back of my head is when St. Louis Cardinals are going to do something not to be bad. Okay. I'm a thank you. Thank you. Normally I can make fun of Cubs, but not this year. Anyway, um, Right. Right. So these sounds, these noises, these things get my attention. You heard the idea that the squeaky wheel gets the right. So there's there's just craziness out there. It's chaos. But if we're not careful, many of these things keep us from connecting with the most important parts of our life. Now, Jesus experienced the same kind of calamities in his life. Listen to this. He was pushed and pulled in many different directions with many different expectations from other people. Matter of fact, Jesus, his own family during his earthly ministry, thought he was nuts. Can you imagine this? Having a, an older brother who thought he was the Messiah? Or God, can you imagine having a child thinking he's perfect? Well, maybe you can you can, maybe one of your kids think they're perfect, but it makes an interesting family dynamic, okay? There was lots of voices in his life saying, Jesus, shh, stop telling people this, come home, get back to work. Matter of fact, the religious leaders at the time uh, tried to conform him to their standards. They said, hey, if you want to be a godly man, that's awesome, be like us. Do this. Don't hang out with these kind of people. Right? So Jesus had all these voices, all these uh, crazy sounds in his life that was trying to push and pull uh, him in different ways. Now, we see Jesus give us a great example how to fight back against the loud noises and expectations this world places in our laps. You and I have all this nuts or chaotic stuff happening, so we need to pay attention to this. His main point, Jesus' main point, was connecting with the Father over everything else. Now, we're in the last... Uh, week of the series called The Wilderness. We've been looking at, at places in our lives that we feel like either God has put us or we find ourselves in. Most of these wilderness uh, situations are things that we would run away from. We would look at that and say, oh last, like last week, we, we talked about temptation. Very few of us woke up this morning like, hey, you know what? I think it'd be a good idea to play in traffic and see what happens with that, right? I'm tempted to to, to push this and see what goes on. No, not really. But Jesus says, you know what? There is a piece of the wilderness experience that I need to make an everyday part of my life, a habitual uh, life choice of chasing after the wilderness. So we're going to learn today how Jesus ran toward the wilderness intentionally. The big thought today is we need to disconnect in order to reconnect to what is important. Let me say it again. We need to disconnect in order to reconnect what is important. All right, so we're gonna be in Mark chapter one for a while, if you'd like to. Um, you can get out your tablet, your phone, your watch, your, your Apple VR headset, whatever it is, um, or you can just straight up open your Bible if you wanna go analog or cheat and read it on the screen, which is fine too. Mark chapter one, verse 35 and 36 says this. Now, we're just looking at a, a, a tiny day, just a three, uh, uh, one out of 365 of, of the life of and ministry of Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Okay? We see this. The solitary place can be translated uh, into wilderness. And I like that, that connection. Jesus says, listen, I need to find a way to be away from the crowds. I need to be in a place where I can, by disconnecting, rearrange our priorities. Rearrange his priorities. Now listen to this. This is kind of early on in his ministry life. He only has a few disciples. A matter of fact, this is almost right after uh, the, the temptation in the wilderness we talked about last week. He spent 40 days fasting and praying. Now fasting and praying in the Old Testament went together like peanut butter and jelly. It was kind of the same thing every time. He spent 40 days Fasting and praying, trying to prepare his life for ministry. So we see him very in the early very early in the morning while it was still dark, he left his disciples, he left his followers, he left the groups of people that were demanding his time, and for good reasons. Jesus was fully human and just like us, needed time to talk with the Father. Okay. Now this is difficult, it's, it's difficult to wrap my head around this, this idea that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, 100% human, just like you and I, okay? Now for the first place, say, thousand years of Christianhood, there was not a debate about Jesus' humanity, the debate was, was he God? The conversation in church or, or, or culture or all these people gathering together and asking questions, it wasn't, is Jesus God, but was Jesus God? or it wasn't Jesus was human, but was Jesus God? Today, about a thousand years after uh, some crazy things happened, we live in a world now that looks at it and says, well, of course Jesus is God. He's perfect. But was Jesus really human? This shows the authenticity of his humanity. He took time every day to reprioritize, rearrange his priorities. He left and connected with the father. He had to pray just like you and I for daily discernment. Where do I go? What do I do? How am I going to get this accomplished? His dependence on God was through commitment and communication with the father. Produce godly, uh, to produce God-pleasing decisions. He had to have this time to have conversations with God in prayer strength through difficult times. We see Jesus in his earthly ministry is only about three, three and a half years, and it's full of chaos. And he took time to reprioritize everything. The time with the father was first, and everything else was second, third. He even prayed for protection of his followers. Jesus it had a full day that started before the sun was up and ended well past sunset. You would think Sleep would be a priority, but we see this in Mark 31 through 32. Again, just basically the same day. That evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Okay, so let's paint this picture. He's been up before sun, before the sun, working all day, proclaiming the kingdom, healing the sick, and driving out demons, which would have been a crazy thing to see, right? And raising the dead. He gets home. There's still a line of people outside his door. It is well past uh, nighttime. I mean, it is way in the middle of the night. And what does he do? He decides to wake up early the next day and do it all over again. He takes time with the father and he looks at all these good things that he's doing and says, you know what? That's second. That is second. Second. You and I would think sleep, healing the sick would take precedence. But really, truly, prayer and solitude was the highest priority to Jesus Christ. Now, the apostles looked at him and thought, man, there is much to be done. So when Simon came out after him, he said, hey, you know what? Um, when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. There's a big, giant line of people that need to hear your message, need to be uh, healed. There, there are people with sick and dying kids, with sick and dying parents. You need to do something. You need to get this accomplished, Right? They wanted him to be a popular rabbi. They wanted him um, to be Jesus, the miracle worker. But Jesus was not in the job, his job description was not miracle worker. His job description was redeemer of broken and lost. He decided that all these people, they need all this help, but the number one thing he can do is make his relationship with the father priority. Now, Corey 10 10 boom, I'm gonna that correctly. There you go, not nine boom, not 11 boom, Corey 10 boom, okay? Don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. He didn't give God leftovers. He didn't say, man, I'm gonna work this 20-hour day. I'm gonna get some sleep, and if I have time, man, I'm gonna connect in prayer and solitude. Jesus said, I'm going to put this first, and then everything else comes along. He would say, I'm making an appointment with the Lord and I'm keeping it. And that is something that you and I need to hear. So again, I'll say it. um, Disconnecting so that we can reconnect with what's most important. The next one is disconnecting restores God to his proper place in our lives. It is very easy to get things out of order. I don't know about you, but it is for me. Um, Sometimes I put my salary in front of my wife. Sometimes I put uh, my security in front of the people that I love. Sometimes I put my needs and wants before the benefits of my family. I'm just like that sometimes. Maybe I'm telling a secret. Maybe I'm just a human being. Maybe I'm just John. But to be very honest, sometimes my priorities are completely out of order. My life gets out of order. Using, sometimes we only use God in times of panic or in pain, and that leads to an out-of-order relationship with God. I've, I've said this to high school students for years and years and years. Sometimes we treat God, we live a life that we want and have a great time, but knowing that there's a fire alarm in the back of the room, and if things get too out of hand, we can pull that and be like, God help us. Man, my life has led to a burning building. I need you to help. Sometimes our, our lives kind of roll into treating God like Santa. I wish and I want this relationship, and if you give it to me, I'll be happy. And if you don't, well, I want this raise. Man, if I only had 10 or 20% more, I'd be so much happier. Come on, Santa. I mean, Jesus, if you give me that, we're gonna have a great relationship, right? It's difficult. Um, Now, Jesus was surrounded by physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Because of his willingness to disconnect from the chaos, he placed the Father in the correct place. He was under the Father, and he knew exactly what was going on. Now, there are things that are urgent and important we must pay attention to, but... Those are often drowned out because of the unimportant and non urgent things in our lives. Jesus started his ministry with prayer. Again, we see him coming from the the fasting of the 40 days and 40 nights. He prayed for 40 days and 40 nights in preparation to be tempted by the devil to start his earthly ministry? Do you think he was accidentally successful or do you think he was so connected with the father that he would make wise decisions? What if you and I decided to say, you know what, these things that are tempting us, these things in our lives that we've got completely out of order, if we spent some time, honest time on our knees, do you think some of those would reorder themselves? I would say yes. We're reminded to rest and reevaluate our priorities. This next one is, he gives us a great um, example of disconnecting reminds us of the source of our value, okay? Uh, and the, the disciples asked Jesus to teach us how to pray in Luke 11, 1. If I'm with Jesus, I don't know if I would ask him to pray. As, as John Muffler, I would look at him and be like, hey, remember that time you walked on water? Can you teach me that? That would be a cool party trick. I would impress a lot of people. Hey, can you remember that one time that you healed that lady? Hey, I'd like that. Can you teach me that? Remember that time that dude was dead? Can you teach me that? Can you imagine? The disciples watched Jesus day in and day out. And you know, they figured it out. They said, you know what? Your power comes from prayer. Your discernment comes from prayer. Your connection to the Father is everything in your life. So they didn't ask, hey, can you teach me how to do a miracle? Hey, can you teach me to walk on water? Can you teach me to make wine from water? They asked, can you teach me to pray? And I love that. Our value is in Jesus Christ, not what we produce. I'm happy and proud to be an American. I was raised in a family and a place where I feel like if I worked very hard and had a little bit of luck, I could almost be anything I want. But here's the downside to that. I feel like my parents instilled in me, if I worked my 40 hours, I would kind of be, you know, a slacker. Because if you are what you produce, if your value is fine in what you do, then you should probably be working 50, 60 hours. Because man, if you continue to chase that wheel, that that gerbil wheel that keeps going and keeps going and you get nowhere, basically the understanding is your value is worthless because there's always more to produce. But if our value is centered in Jesus Christ, You are loved. No matter what your past is, no matter what your future is, no matter what ridiculousness that you and I are doing today that are caught up in, our value is in Jesus Christ, not what we produce. Nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us through Jesus Christ. And this last one, Jesus gives us a great example of disconnecting, it reprioritizes our mission. We have a mission followers. Luke 5, 15 and 16 says this, yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. His role was not to be a great teacher. His role was not to be a great healer. His mission was to be connected with the father so that others could also be connected. We need to be very careful, church, that we don't get stuck in the wilderness, that we don't get too easily, like, I'm going to take some time and get away and pray and be with the father, but never reconnect with community, never reconnect to influencing outsiders, our, our people at work, our neighbors. He gives us a great example If there was a line of people that wanted him. He prioritized the father, and then he got right back to work because he knew his mission, Verse, nine, or verse 39 tells us he basically uh, got up, went back to uh, work with a fresh sense of purpose and priorities after the time in the wilderness. Disconnecting reprioritizes our mission and gives us space to love others well and to the point them to Jesus Christ. We need to disconnect in order to reconnect to what is important. That is difficult, that's hard. So I'm gonna ask you the question. You don't have to raise your hand or say anything unless you're like really bold, but don't do that. Um, Let me ask you this, so what do you need to disconnect from in order to to reconnect to what's what's important, a relationship with the Father? What do you need? Is it an electronic device? Is it your cable box? Is it your video game system? Is it a really bad relationship? Is it that desire to produce, to find value in yourself? Is it that fear of silence? What do you and I need to do to make an honest decision to make baby steps to have a better relationship with Christ? So I've got two ideas that we can walk away with today. Number one, we need to create margin for the important. All right, so margin's an interesting concept. And I'm not just really thirsty this morning, okay? Um, What I'm trying to illustrate is margin. This is a glass, glass that is mostly full, right? So if I fill it up with unsweet tea, it's my bad, but that's okay, okay, to the very top, this would remind most of us of how we live, that we are full. Our lives are chaos. We have zero Time to add anything else. But it's full of good stuff. It's full of families and practices, uh, uh, kids' games and recitals. It is full of uh, stuff that we would look at and say, hey, that, that's really positive. And I'm not anti that, but here's the problem. When we live a life that has zero margin and everything's okay, this is what it looks like until chaos comes, until somebody gets sick, until somebody's like out of, out of, out of ordinary, like you lose a job, something happens and what happens to your life? It gets really messy really fast. I didn't realize tea stains carpet, so I apologize, Fred. Anyway, move on. <laughs> Hopefully he watches this sermon later. But without margin, we're only just okay if everything's great. When things come our way and knocks us around, it gets messy and our lives get nasty. And when we have zero margin, we look at God and say, listen, I want a relationship with you. I really do, but I got no time for it. And if I have any time for it, maybe if there's leftovers, I'll give you some leftover time. So if we live a life without margin, you and I are feeding into the chaos, the calamity that's trying to push and pull us around. What we see Jesus, I know this is a little little empty, but what we see Jesus is prioritize that there is going to be time to connect with the important, and then everything else can have its place. And that is difficult to do because if you are living a life like me that is kind of to the very brim, we need to get rid of things that we would consider good in order to have a full relationship with Christ. And that is not easy. One of the things we can do is figure out what is urgent versus non-urgent, what is important versus non-important. Urgent things happen when like, I don't know, your kid swallows a piece of metal and you got to go to the ER. I would have no idea how that works out. <laughs> right? If somebody gets into a car accident, if, if something weird happens, you have to deal with that. There are things that if you don't deal with today, it might kill you tomorrow. I understand that. That's great. But here's the problem. We need to figure out the difference between important and non-important because we love making unimportant things, non-important things seem very important like my fan, right? Like, I don't know, television shows, that man, I don't think I have time, but I'll find a way, I'm gonna to have to cut something out. Here's my problem, I only mow my lawn when I get to listen to a Cardinals game. So if you're a neighbor of mine, since there hasn't been a lot of day games, I apologize. My grass is out of control. But I think it's important for me to mow only if I can listen to a Cardinals game, right? So we need to evaluate what is urgent, what is not urgent, and then we need to discern what is important and what is not important that we just want it to be important. And the last one is baby steps towards solitude or silence. And this is, this, is, this is where I'm preaching myself more than I'm preaching to anybody else. You and I need to make a decision to say our connection with the Father is more important than any other connection, and we need to start making time. Now, you're not going to go to zero to 16 a week. It's going to leave you frustrated or in a slump, but you and I can take Five minutes, three out of the next seven days, to find some silence, to turn things off, to connect to the Father. Baby steps start small and work tall. So, in a couple of weeks, maybe it's 10 minutes three or four times a week. Maybe, check this out, and here's what I really want you guys to do. I would strongly encourage you. Listen, if you've got the flu, you call in, sick. You you tell your boss, hey, there's a lot of vomiting you don't want this with, right? Okay, I'm not showing up. Matter of fact, it's very vogue nowadays and I appreciate it to even call in for mental health issues. To say, listen, man, I am struggling today. Something is out of whack and I'm gonna take a mental health day. Here's my encouragement. I would love all of us in the next six weeks, take a spiritual health day. Take a day from work and be okay with it. Take a day from your family and it's okay. To connect to the Father, you've gotta start someplace. My encouragement is take a day and get away. Find some silence, find some solitude and reconnect to the Father. Because if we are either followers of Christ in here or people who are asking questions about Christ, we need to figure out what he did to be successful in his relationship so that we can imitate and mimic that success. What if we did that? What if you and I in the next six weeks said, you know what, I'm going to try some of these baby steps. I'm going to take a spiritual health day. What would it look like if we committed to putting Jesus and our relationship with him first and everything else kind of fell away? We need to disconnect in order to reconnect to a loving father. What would it look like? Maybe instead of chaos and confusion, we would find some peace and clarity. Maybe instead of everyone else controlling your schedule, you would have Some determining uh, direction in what's going on in your life. And the last one, instead of giving God the time you have left over, he would receive your best instead of your leftovers. So my encouragement, church, is this. When we see the chaos, when we see the noise coming at us, and we have to take care of the important that's kind of not really important, but we think it's kind of important, we kind of lose out on a relationship with God. When we make the main thing the main thing, and that main thing is that relationship with the Father, everything else slowly but surely makes its way in the correct order in our lives. That's my prayer for you. That's my hope for this congregation in this community.